On this episode, post-hike lunch, dividends, and getting off the couch. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Almost There Adventure podcast. Um, we're just basically wanted to give everyone a little bit of an update because we've been a little bit lax on releasing episodes. Not that we haven't had them. We've just a couple of us have been uh, enjoying our summers and been on the road and traveling. So we figured we'd just kind of uh, just do a little catch up on what the three of us are up to until we, we start our episode. Um, well, I know, Jeff, you've been... You know, you've been the one really traveling because you've been abroad. You want to tell everyone about where, where you've been? Yeah. So uh, my wife, Joan, and I, we just got back a couple weeks ago from a 192-mile uh, a hike across northern England. So it's a, it's a, a trail called the Coast to Coast Walk that starts in, on the west coast in St. Bees, little village. And ends on the East Coast in Robin Hood's Bay. And it travels from like little hamlets to hamlet, you know. And we were uh, hiking and staying in a bed and breakfast each night. So that was something that was kind of new. Most of the time when we've done these kind of trips, you know, we're um, sleeping in a tent and carrying all of our food in a stove and, you know, kind of that sort of experience. And we wanted to try something like the typical European way of doing this going from like hut to hut or hostel to hostel in our case b&b to b&b and we had a great time i actually got a suntan in england (laughs) we had we were out there for uh, 17 days of hiking and not one day of rain the entire trip wow yeah, it was really unusual. It was beautiful weather. You know, everybody that I met who, you know, every all the locals we talked to were like, oh, it's never like this. <laughs> it's never so beautiful. Or, you know, it's been sunny for three days straight. You know, that kind of thing. So it was really, really nice. Um, really stunning way to see the country and kind of get a sense of the, you know, like the land, you know, the scope of things. And um, just so much fun. And we met a lot of other people who were doing the trail. We had met a couple from New Zealand. Uh, we met a couple from Chattanooga. We met somebody from, um, you know, other people from other places in England. Uh, somebody from Australia, a couple from Australia. And it was just fascinating to, you know, run into all these folks and share a meal with them and, and experience the, the trail. So what was a high high and a low low? The high high. Well, so for me, I think my favorite part was the Lakes District. So we we actually hiked through three national parks in uh, in this on this trail. And the first one was the Lakes District. And it was sort of the most stunning and and I, you know, more wild, I guess, of of the others. And um, I, you know, I really appreciated that and the beauty of that. And, And it was probably the biggest climbs and the highest point and all of that sort of thing. Uh, Joan's highest point was, or her favorite part was the Yorkshire Dales National Park. And that was sort of the prototypical 
English countryside that you would see in movies and TV shows, you know, with, you know, stone walls and sheep and little, you know, quaint little villages. I mean, really little villages Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, little creeks running through. And it was just so green and so beautiful. Um, The lows, I think, uh, the lows for me would probably be the, the third to the last day I had. We had like a, gosh, it was almost 20 miles through the North Yorkshire Moors National Park. So this is our third national park. And this section had over 3,000 feet of vertical. You know, it was 19 miles and change. And it was, you know, beautiful sunny weather, which meant completely exposed. You know, very little <laughs> no shade of forest. Yeah. No shade. <laughs> it got hot. And, you know, you just kind of bake in the sun. Towards the end of the day, I was just like, all right, I've got five miles left, you know, I just got to keep going, you know. And, and the, the great thing is that there's a reward at the end of every day, you know, like a cold pint of beer and, a, uh, you know, a, a, some really good pub grub, you know. So there's always that. <laughs> no dehydrated uh, food, no boiling water. No de- and, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We, you know, we, we actually brought, um, we brought like some bars and, you know, of course, electrolytes and things like that during the day. But um, we ended up not even eating all the bars that we brought, you know, just because we could, you know, we'd have we'd have lunch on the trail or we'd have uh, uh, we'd be able to stop somewhere for tea or at a pub, that kind of thing. So that was really nice. Oh, nice. For tea. Yeah, I like right. That. For quote unquote tea. Tea. Yes. <laughs> so, a lot of tea. So hiking, but not exactly like backpacking or like a wilderness thing, or I guess you could call it not, backpacking. It's, it's just not, a I mean, there were people who were, there were, you know, like I met a guy, his name was uh, Richard, who was backpacking it. And right. so he was camping at night on a tent and carrying his food and all of that sort of thing. Uh, so that is an option. It's a little trickier because uh, wild camping, as they call it, you know, where you just set up a tent in the wilderness is technically not legal. Oh. And so... You know, uh, and I asked about that because we we were actually hiking together one day and I we passed uh, a tarn, you know, pretty high up in the Lake District. And I said, you know, there's people here camped. I say, see two different groups of people who camped here. Uh, I thought it was not allowed. And he says, yeah, technically it's illegal. Um, It's tolerated in certain places. And... um, and then what he was ending up doing is, you know, you would end up or he would end up in a, in a village and might pitch his tent on private land. So there would be landowners, you know, maybe they had a farm or maybe it was a youth hostel and they'd have some land and you could pitch a tent out there for a couple of pounds. And, and uh, sometimes they also had food and things like that that you could purchase. But um, hmm. that's really like the legal way to do it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're you're stealth camping, and you know, it's not technically allowed. So. Oh, what a... <laughs> odd! And Severia, yeah. you've had a couple of your uh, your events and everything recently. Yeah. You want to fill us in? Yeah, we had a, a very busy spring. So we had our Women in Whitewater um, trip down on the Cal Salmon in over Mother's Day weekend, and then. The first weekend in June, we had our summer escape, and I decided what would be a really great idea in between those two events would be to go on a 3,500-mile road trip to the <laughs> southeast. So, <Wow. laughs> so uh, we 
Uh, my girlfriend and I took off from Medford from after the Whitewater trip, and we headed to Utah and then Colorado and Albuquerque um, into, into New Mexico, back to Utah, um, through Arizona, and then made it home. So yeah, we did a whole a whole roundabout trip, and we hiked Angel's Landing for the first time. Oh, so that was really yeah, fun I saw that. Exciting. That was awesome. Wow. Um, I have a friend who has a great hip camp um, called Land Beyond Zion out in Cane Beds, Arizona, which is right, it's like right on the Utah-Arizona border. And uh, she's a guide and had permits for Angel's Landing, so she took us up and it was so much fun. Highly recommend it. And I have to say, it was really nice going with a guide and somebody who hikes it all the time because I think one of the biggest, we went super early, so that was nice, but one of the biggest challenges of Angel's, Land, Angel's Landing is the traffic control, yeah. just like the number of people. Yeah. And so she had, she kind of knew like where to stop that was like a good place to stop for people coming up or down and vice versa. And so it just made it feel very smooth and unstressful. There was no like awkward moments and um, we just got to really enjoy the trail. So that was really great. Yeah, that, that's kind of my thing with like that, Half Dome, those kinds of things. I've done both of them once, and it's like I don't really worry about me and my footing and my whatever, but I am very worried about other people, yeah. you know, and right. some people are, are a little less, are a little more cavalier, you know, maybe even to the point of being inconsiderate or unsafe yeah. at the expense of other people, and that's kind of my yeah. concern with those things. So, yeah. so yeah, we... I've, I've been, I did it once, and I've hiked right past it uh, two times since then, so... Yeah. Uh, up to the West Rim, so uh, I'm like, yeah, it's, I did it's that. one of those, yeah. yeah, both Half Dome and and yeah. uh, Angels Landing are things that I, you know, I highly recommend doing at least once. Yeah. yeah. But you know, once you've done it, you know, it's like, okay, I've I've done that. There's other things I want to go, you know, explore and other places I want to see, and there's lots of other experiences to have that don't involve lots of people and, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Do you have any other highlights other than that on the on the trip? Any other yeah, places you know, you we had we had two really great um, camping experiences. One was on the way out, so we took I guess is it Highway 50, the loneliest highway in America? Yeah, apparently. through through Nevada. Yeah, yeah. through Nevada. And, oh, I love that oh, yeah, drive. I forgot that state too. Um, yeah. Through there, and there was a BLM campground at Sacramento Pass, which is right before Great Basin mm -hmm. National Park, and it was beautiful and. There was a lower campsite, like, right off the highway, and then there was a little sign to the equestrian campsite, which was up a road, and we went up there, and it was away from the highway, absolutely stunning, super clean, um, just a fantastic place to camp, especially when you're sort of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so that was really nice. And then another favorite of mine is Kodachrome Basin Oh, State I love Park. Kodachrome Basin. And they have... Yeah. It's not, what is it? There's, they have their own thing. It's not Angel's, which one? It's not Angel. Is it Angel's Landing or Angel's Rest? Did you? I have a for Kodachrome. I don't. Yeah, they have their own yeah, oh, little Angel similar Crash. thing. Yep. Yeah, and I have. Yeah, a, I have a, a point, and they have like a, they have a loop hike with. Yep. I think it is Angel's Rest. I have a GoPro of me walking out on that. It's not as hairy yeah, as um, as, as uh, the Zion one. I got my Angels things mixed up in my head now, but uh, yeah. it, it is. You know, you're not quite as high. It's a little wider. It's kind of flat, so you're not. There's no like scrambling involved or holding onto chains, but. It's kind of yeah, a similar we, thing. <laughs> we actually spent our time on in that trip on our mountain bikes and avoiding oh. thunderstorms. So yeah, it was it was fun. But um, yeah, no, it's a great park. And I have to say, uh, nicest camp showers 
in history. Oh, wow. They have beautiful, like, hot water camp showers. And, like, we stayed up in sort of an upper campground, which is a little bit more mm -hmm. primitive, but down in the main campground, beautiful campground showers. Wow. And that's yeah. a – now, did you do the whole – I'm assuming you did all of uh, Highway 12 then, right? So From, we like, did, Capitol I Reef to uh, – to, no, not no. On this trip. Oh, okay. That's the most yeah, spectacular drive. drive. That, that's an amazing yeah. drive. Next time. So, <laughs> yeah. So we came, we kind of busted a move on the way out into Moab, and then Kodachrome was sort of our last. And then we circled back around to that, you know, kind of um, Bryce area um, on yep. our way home. We kind of had a bus move home. Nice. But, um, yeah, it was great. And then had our summer escape, and that was super fun. Had a whole bunch of women out in Bend doing all the things and that was great and now i leave in two like three weeks i think for our swiss alps hiking trip so that's exciting yeah wow. i know yeah. so very excited for that and busy in 2024 planning as we yeah. speak <laughs> i wish i wish i had interesting things to report but i kind of don't <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in boston shooting something uh for like a non-outdoorsy related project and then that project has also kept me super busy so i've been sort of uh ankle cut ankle cuffed to my uh to my desk for the last few months work-wise but uh yeah i am hoping uh hoping uh to have a sierra trip plan i think jeff is hoping to come along on that one as well yeah in a few weeks nice. right? yeah, like in a few one weeks. month yeah about yeah. a month from today actually in fact or i think or uh, where are you guys heading uh up into miter basin which is uh nice. yeah like kind of up over cottonwood so pass yeah so we're yep Hoping for that. Knock on wood. It looks like looks good for that one to happen. And then uh, I'll probably try to sneak in at least one or two more trips. You know, again, it's kind of a weird late season. You know, the snow. I probably would have snuck up before now had had the snow not really shut everything down. But you know, it's uh, you know being busy combined with uh, the snow conditions has kind of like uh, kept me uh, kept me down in the in L.A. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'm glad you guys, I'm living vicariously through the both of you, so. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, well, listeners, we just kind of wanted to give you an update. Again, you know, we, we, we do this as a labor of love. This isn't paying us or any of like that. And every once in a while, it's just hard when, you know, if two of the three of us aren't around for a month, it's kind of hard for us to get episodes out. So we kind of wanted to apologize for a short gap in that. But here's another one. We have a couple in the can, so... Uh, we're going to keep going and hopefully we'll be able to be closer to our normal every other week kind of uh, scenario from, uh, from here on out. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, here we are. We'll, we'll start off uh, the episode with, uh, with Greg Sakowitz. Welcome everyone to the Almost There Adventure podcast tonight. Well, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but it is evening for us all now. Uh, we are welcoming Greg Sakowitz. He is of Batman Little Trail fame. Um, I know. Are you infamous, Greg, or famous? I, I, I wouldn't call it famous yet. I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> All right. Well, we are really excited to have you here with us uh, today. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Well, thank you so much for having me on. For, uh, my name's Greg. I am the fat man, or at least I, I claim to be the fat man. Uh, I run the website Fat Man Little Trail. Um, I've been hiking. I'm like the newcomer to the hiking world and kind of focus on the the Joe everybody, you know, mentality of hiking of not everybody has to be a super triathlete to enjoy the, the outdoors. So that's what I try to pass forward on my website and YouTube and blog and all that stuff. Um, and it, yeah, it's been, it's been a great little journey so far. 
So tell us, you said you're new to hiking. So tell us a little bit more about how you started this journey. I am one of those COVID hikers. So I had just been laid off from work right before COVID and COVID hit and everything shut down. And I live in the tiny apartment in downtown Denver, but I spent eight years in Denver without ever going to the mountains really. So I was a workaholic. I just, I lived downtown. I would go from work to the bars, to the restaurants, to the sporting events or, you know, whatever was going on that night and never really made it down into the mountains, which is now I look back at it and kind of laugh. Um, but everything shut down and in a tiny downtown apartment, when all those fun things to do have all shut down, you've got to find something else. And our governor actually came on and said, Hey, the only thing that's open is the trail. So if you want to exercise, go outside. And I was like, all right, uh, how hard could it be? Right? So I go outside for, you know, I think I went to golden my first time, golden Colorado and did a little hike. And I was like, this is pretty nice. And then the second time I went out, I was on this trail that, that I laugh at now when I go on it because it had a, a very minor, you know, incline. I don't know, maybe like a eight or 9% grade, you know, nothing that's, that's overwhelming to me now. But I sat there, I was on the side of the, the trail. I was sitting on a stump. I thought I was dying. I was breathing as hard as I've ever, you know, were with breathing before in my life. And all of a sudden these two little kids come running past me and they're wearing Crocs and they're drinking a Capri Sun and they just come flying up the hill like it was nothing. They were probably eight, nine years old. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking I'm about to die. This is the hardest hill that anybody's ever climbed in their entire life. And these kids just boom, like it was nothing. And I sat there and I was like, man, I am just a fat man on this little trail here. And I thought, you know, I thought about it and I, I was trying to learn new skills. You know, like I said, I'd been laid off and I was like, okay, well, I need to learn how to do a website. I used to work in media. So I was like, I'm going to go do a website. And I texted my cousin and I said, Hey, I came up with this idea, fat man, little trail. And she's like, you have to make a website now. So I made a website and then I was like, well, now that I've made a website, now I have to go out and hike a little bit more. And I started hiking uh, more and more and more and more and more and more. And I, before long, I just realized I, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, Colorado is a beautiful place. And if you're stuck in the middle of a quarantine and the only thing you're allowed to do without getting shunned is to go to the trails, it was not a bad few months. And that's, that's how I got my start uh, hiking. And that's how I, I became the fat man little trail. So you lived in Denver, you know, obviously a, hockey, a hiking hotbed all that time. And just, just why do you think you never try? I mean, had you hiked as a little kid? Were you in Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts? Did your family hike or camp or any of that? Or was it just something that was not a part of your life when you were younger? I was, I was none of that really. I was, you know, I played baseball in the summers. I played football in the fall. Um, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I was born in Michigan, grew up in the Chicago area. So there's not exactly the same type of hiking as there is in uh, Colorado. And when I first moved out here, I think I hiked like maybe the first two weekends that I was out here. I was like, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to become a hiker. And I came out, you know, those first two weekends and I was like, well, where do you go? And I'd ask people, the locals, and they'd be like, oh, you just go to the mountains, go to the mountains. That's what everybody said. They never told you where to go. And in the Midwest, like if you're going to go out in nature, you go to a campground, you go to a designated place and, and that's where you went. So I was like, okay, you know, I just started a new job and, and moved to a new city. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of gave up on that hiking after, after the first two times and not knowing where to go and then just got more into, you know, the life of the city. And like, like you said, it wasn't really my background. So I wasn't, it's not like I was missing it. I didn't know that I was missing it. So I, you know, I just kind of became that city kid and like I said, I'd work and then I'd come home. I live right downtown so I could walk to everything, walk to a ball game, walk to a concert and do all that. And, um, 
you know, I was probably drinking and partying a little bit too much and, and enjoying my time in the city a little too much. And the thought of getting up at four in the morning, uh, to make it to a trailhead was the least thing that was on my mind back in those days. Uh, so this, this goes back. I mean, you know, if you think about, uh, years ago, I mean, if somebody was looking at where to go hike, that was a tough thing to do. I mean, now there's a wealth of resources available to us. It's not just, you know, back in the day, it used to be a guidebook and you'd have to open that up and try to decipher all of this, you know, pages of text with an occasional photo or an occasional map. And uh, they've improved considerably, but now there's all trails and, and Gaia GPS. Do you use any of those to help you when you're when you're in, you know, exploring a new area, yeah, all trails is is kind of become my uh, my go to uh, at this point. I know all trails is is kind of user generated, and there's there's pros and cons to it. Um, I also volunteer now for the forest with the Forest Service, and they don't like it as much because people just make up their own trails, and they've had to do rescues because you know people will be like, well, all trails said this was a trail, and they ended up on the side of a cliff or something like that. Um, but for me, it was it told me where all the trails were around Colorado. I mean, in Denver, um, and I've traveled a little bit, I, you know, I, I went out to Nebraska to try to hike and there were like six trails that I found. And then I go to my, where, you know, from my apartment, there's like 1600, you know? So, um, all trails was kind of a blessing in that beginning, uh, when I started out and, and was just able to enjoy, you know, find everything in different skill levels and, and hear what people had said about it and, and, and find my way that way. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good things about all trails, but I think one of the one of the knocks against it is that that uh, sort of crowdsourced reviews and things like that. Everybody has a different opinion, and you know, one person will say this is an easy trail, and somebody else will say, "Oh my God, I almost died on this trail." <laughs> well, and so you have to take all of those with a grain of salt. And and honestly, that's that's kind of why I started uh, an offshoot of that is why I started the website Fat Man Little Trail is because I started to realize that all the once I got more and more into it, all the hiking blogs that I saw were like professional hikers, like you know the the people that were doing a 14 or for breakfast and then doing another 14 or for lunch and, and like they're great content and amazing content. And I really um, hats off to these people who are out there and have that skill level and are have that endurance level and that fitness level. I'm an overweight short dude who was not going to be able to do that same thing. So I was like, what's out here for me to find out? what you know i'd go to all trails and like you said one day it would say you know somebody would be like oh this was the easiest hike i've ever done and i was like calling for you know search and rescue on the third step of it because it was so hard so i decided to come up with a website just to try to um i guess give something for the the rest of us so we could find our own uh you know guides that helped us at a lower skill level this, this is again i think a good opportunity to shout out guidebooks you know those of us that have been doing this a long time you know we would go to guidebooks before the internet you know and it was uh you know the curated and edited and you know and whatever and it was good in that sense you know and most of them there were some that were made for everyone you know i remember there's a great the california hiking one it's green i think foghorn press does it or did it i don't know if they still and, you know, it's like a thousand pages long, but it always has like all the different levels and that kind of thing. So good shout out for that. But uh, segueing back to you. Sorry, Greg. Um, you notice you have a lot of on the website. You have a lot of um, you have a lot of trails and you have like a lot of your your guys. Now, do you do all of these? Do you have other people that help you write these guides or is this all you? Um, there is. 
I've done about 200 and I think it was like 250 uh, trails that are on the website now. Um, I've done all but one. Uh, and the only one that I didn't do was I had a friend of mine who hiked up to the top of Pikes Peak, which is a 14er in Colorado Springs. And so I let her write a blog called Slim Pickings for the skinny people to understand what it's like to do a 14er. But otherwise, every two, all 250 of the, I think it's around 250 of the hikes on my website are hiked by me. Um, I do an all trails and I track my, my uh, distance and time and I let people know you know, how long it took. So, you know, they might look on all trails and be like, Oh, well, all trails says it's an hour, but Greg took an hour and a half and I'm probably in the same shape as Greg and it took him an hour and a half. So I should, you know, think about that. Um, but yeah, everything is, is done by me. And I, my reviews aren't, uh, I think they're a little bit more from my point of view of like, Oh, this is people are like, this is great. And I'm like, no, this is really steep. And it's gonna, it's gonna suck a little bit. You know, you're gonna feel this one. Um, you know, but again, it's, I try to write it from the point of view of somebody who is, you know, either overweight or, you know, spent maybe just only goes out every few weeks, a, a, a summer and they, they're not in hiking shape and things like that to try to give people that, that understanding. But yeah, they're all me. I've, I went from never hiking to now I think I've done 1,500 miles and over 250,000 feet of elevation gain in the last two and a half years. So That's, that's so great. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, been good. Yeah. How, how has it changed your life? I mean, obviously, it's changing your life or you wouldn't have done that much, right? You would have done one hike or two hikes and been like, that was fun. Maybe in a few months doing it. But the fact that you've obviously adopted it as like your lifestyle and, you know, I guess your, your passion. I mean, that's great. But how has it, how has it changed your life? How, do, how much, how do you feel different now than you were, you know, as the workaholic guy that was walking to bars from your downtown apartment? Sure. Well, I don't really drink anymore. Uh, no time to, cause I got to wake up early, but what really surprised me, um, more than anything is I started hiking. I thought I was going to get in really good physical shape and I thought I was going to lose a bunch of weight and I've actually gained weight, but that's the, the fat man part of it is because with every trail, I find a locally owned restaurant nearby and I say, what's your special? And it's always the triple bacon cheeseburger. So I'm usually a calorie. I don't, I don't have any calorie deficits at the end of my hikes, but, um, I, I have stories about that later too, but um, what really surprised me was while I thought I was going to go through this big physical transformation, what I found was that the mental health benefits of it were far superior to anything that I could have imagined. Um, again, being a downtown city guy, workaholic, working 60, 70 hours a week, um, I was in what probably should have been one of the worst times of my life, unemployed, there's a pandemic and all this stuff, and mentally I was in one of the best places and I couldn't figure out why until I realized it was, I was going out to the woods at that time, you know, three, four or five times a week. And it just kind of all, there's a slower pace when you're out there. There's, there's, you don't look at things, you know, downtown is so crazy and it's fast and people are honking their horns and all that. But when you go out into the woods, everything slows down. And, um, I wrote a, a couple blogs for, for some companies and things like that. And one of them I, I talked about was looking at, you know, you're looking at a, a series of woods across from a field and it looks like it's a forest, but if you look closer, every single one of those leaves is blowing in the wind and doing its best just to hang on to that tree. But when you're out in the woods, you can step back and look at it. It's just a very still picture of the woods with no, you know, you can barely see the, the, the trees moving at all in the city. You're always in that very close. Everything's trying to hang on to the, to the tree branches is as, as tough as it is. 
but the woods you get a step back and you get to take it at your own pace i know some people like to run it and and that's fine and and i like to take it a little bit slower and just kind of enjoy the moment you know sit down and watch you know a leaf fall out of a tree and land in a creek and just kind of float away and you realize how peaceful it is and how calm it is and it really helped me come back to center and so for me while I thought this whole thing was going to be physical, it turned out to be mental. And that's what I've been been trying to tell people who, you know, are like me, who are more couch than, than trail. Um, I like to tell them, hey, you can go from the couch to the trail and you don't have to set a land speed record. You can go there and just take 10 steps and take a deep breath. And it's going to help you more than you'll you'll even know by, by sitting on your couch. And and hopefully I've inspired a, a few people to to make that journey. And whether it's um, like I said, 10 steps in the woods or, or just getting off the couch and getting outdoors. Um, you know, I think that's the important part. So when you get, uh, getting, when you first got it started, what kind of distance were you hiking and like, what was comfortable for you and, or maybe it was all uncomfortable. I don't know, but, <laughs> um, how has that changed since you first started? Um, yeah, it, it when I started, I started slow. I was, you know, I, I'd pick out hikes on all trails that were like eight miles. That doesn't sound far. And then I'd be like, why did that just take me four days to recover? Um, well, cause I just hiked eight miles, you know? Um, and, and I start, you know, I would do three mile hikes. And one of the things I wanted to do with my website is to make sure that I wasn't, you know, trying to do overwhelming hikes for people. Cause anybody who was following along, I wanted to make sure that they knew, that it was okay to start slow and build your way up. So, you know, a lot of the hikes at the beginning were three miles, five miles, and, you know, 1,000 feet of elevation here, you know, 1,200 feet, um, you, you know, and, and the, di- the distances and stuff were, you know, it depended on how high in the mountains I went to because of the, the different, if you're at 5,000 feet, whether 10,000 feet, it was feeling a lot different. Um, and then I just kind of stretched it out and just kept going a little bit further and a little bit further. And I think that first year when I was doing it three days a week, I think my longest hike was 14 miles. So seven out, seven back. And it was about 4,000 feet of elevation gain. So by the end of that first year, I was doing a lot. Um, one of the stories I, I like to tell is like the first long hike I did is a place I, I really fell in love with hiking is a, a local park out here called Staunton State Park. And there's a waterfall and it's about a 12 mile hike, I think out and back. And that was like the end of the the summer, like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make it to the waterfall. And I made it out there. It was like six miles. And I was like, again, it's time to call search and rescue. This is not going to go well. I'm not going to make it up. I'm not going to make it back from there. And I made it up because you have to dip down to the waterfall. And then I made it back up to, and I was like, this is the worst thing. Like by the time I was done, I could barely walk. You know, my feet were killing me the entire time. There's this giant, you know, uh, mountain called lion's head that is, that is at the edge of the park. And you're looking at it and you see it. And it kind of like, every time you come to an opening, you see lion's head, lion's head, lion's head. So kind of like it tracks you as you go down the, down the trail. Well, that fall, fall, early winter, I start hiking. I run into a ranger. He's like, well, you know, you can hike to the top of Lion's Head. I was like, really? So I'm sorry. No, it was the following spring because I wasn't in that great of shape yet. So the following spring, and he, I run into him. He says, you can hike to the to the top of Lion's Head. And I did it. And it was like, I think it was at that point, it was like 14 or 15 miles round trip. But I'm standing on top of Lion's Head looking down at the park that made me fall in love with hiking and realize that 
you know, a few months ago, I could barely make it out of the parking lot. A few months past then, I could make it to the waterfall. And now roughly a year after I started, I'm on top of Lion's Head. And it was just one of the most kind, kind of freeing experiences for me as somebody who, again, from my couch, I never could imagine myself sitting on top of Lion's Head looking down at this entire park that I had quote unquote conquered at that point. And it was just one of the most kind of inspiring. It's, it's I've never won a Super Bowl, but I feel like, you know, Peyton Manning and me probably shared a feeling right there where um, <laughs> I just felt so proud of myself and just so, I don't know, it was like, I can do this. And, and I knew from that point on that I could just kind of do it. And, and I kept doing it. For our listeners, Peyton Manning was a quarterback. He played for the uh, for the Broncos and won a Super Bowl and for the Indianapolis Colts. Sorry, I'm just, you know, filling this in. For our... <laughs> I, f- I forget. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a lot of crossover. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so, Greg, as you started to get more adventurous and sort of going out there, did you take, like, did you realize there was a point where you're like, okay, like, there's the physical piece of getting out there, and then there's the skills of, like, if something happens, or, like, the knowledge, or, like, how to map trails, all that kind of stuff. Was there anything that you did to sort of help teach yourself the additional skills to be able to go and be a little bit more adventurous and spend more time out on the trail? Yeah, I think one of the first things I did is I started to get gear that worked. Um, So like when I first started hiking, I was in like a pair of rundown tennis shoes and a pair of sweatpants. And I had my old like work book bag, you know, like basically like just a college book bag. And I was like, wait, you can put a water bladder in a backpack and have a tube come out and you don't have to, you know, like that's how raw I was when I started. Um, And then I just started getting, you know, like hiking boots and hiking pants and things that would actually make my trip a little bit easier. Um, I think the more I did it because I started slow and started moving my way through different um, difficulties of trails, I kind of just pick things up as I went, you know, like I, and, and again, I'm still not to the point where like, I don't climb, I don't scramble, I just walk. Um, but now I'll walk across, you know, boulder fields and I'll walk across scree and do things like that. I bought a hiking pole. Who knew that those existed, you know, but as I just did it more and more, I'd look at somebody and be like, oh, so they have a pole that helps them. Okay. And then like, I'd come home and I'd go over to REI and be like, okay, a pole, this is great. Um, you know, so I would just kind of learn as I went a little bit. I have a, a friend here, a buddy named Scott, who's kind of my hiking mentor. He grew up in Colorado and he's basically half mountain goat and he likes to climb and run up to the top of all those things. And every once in a while I convince him to take a, an easy hike with me and he'll be like, why are you wearing that like that? And I'm like, oh, you know, and, um, he'd help me out with things like that and places where I could go where I wouldn't make a fool of myself. Um, and, and then, yeah, I just started doing a little bit more and I started, ended up writing reviews for products. Like companies started sending me gear and I think they liked the, the mindset of just kind of a useful idiot who would be like, Hey, I just got this pair of boots and this is what I think about them. And I'm not a professional and I'm not going to measure the midsole, but I'm going to tell you that this hurts if you step on a rock or this is, feels great if you step on a rock or you don't fall if you're going downhill on a slick, um, slick trail. So like between people sending me gear and, and talking to people and seeing people and just observing on the trail, I kind of just started to learn more and more about um, what I needed to be successful. And Again, I am a big fan of knowing your limits. I, I, I wrote a blog called, I got to remember, I think it was called, um, I tried and I failed and that's okay. 
because I tried to go up to the top of a 13er and I was like, nope, not today. And I turned around and went down. And I think people that were in my situation, like you said, you have to get a skill, a certain level of skill where people will be like, no, I'm just going to go and I'm going to go hike. And, and how hard is it? You're just walking. And they don't realize that there's, there's techniques that you need to learn. And there's, there's a comfort level that you need to have, um, before you get yourself into a bad situation. And I think that a lot of people are like, especially out here, people fly in from like Indiana and they're like, Hey, we can climb up to the top of that 14 or no big deal. You know, I'm just here for a weekend. No problem. I don't water. I don't need that. Um, and then they get themselves in trouble and they've got to be walked back down the hill or they've got to call, you know, search and rescue. We had a guy, uh, trigger an avalanche the other day. Cause he tried to, uh, he was hiking up to a 13er and he tried to cut through a valley and yeah, he just triggered the entire avalanche instead of staying on the trail. So I learned those lessons really early, stay on the trail. Um, and, and don't do something that you're not comfortable with and it's okay to turn around. And that was one of the important things for me was realizing the mountains aren't going to move. They're going to be here tomorrow. And if I wasn't comfortable, I would just turn around and I would try to, you know, get a little bit more experience. And then I would try it again in a couple of weeks. And, I think that is what kind of made me a little bit more successful than some other people who've tried, who try to push themselves too early, or they try to do a hike because everybody on Instagram did a hike. And while I'm very popular on Instagram, not so much, but while I'm, while I'm on Instagram and all that stuff, I, I, I still know my limits. I'm, I'm over 40 and I'm fat. So like, I know that I can only go so far before I become more of a problem than a solution. And I think it's really important that people know that and people, you know, accept the fact that today might not be the day and they just turn around. Um, And I think that helped me out a lot. And that was one of the most valuable skills that I learned. I feel like I didn't answer your question at all, but I'm just (laughs) going to keep rambling. I I think that's one of the hardest things for people to understand and internalize is when you turn around. And so I think it's sometimes useful, you know, do you ever set up like a, you know, set a turn turnaround time for yourself. Like, oh, if I'm at this point, regardless if I made my destination or not, I'm going to turn around and start heading back because I'm only halfway done with the hike when you turn around, right? I don't set I don't set a, a 100% um, time, but that was a very valuable lesson to learn that once you get to the top, you have to come all the way back down. So if it's nine miles up, it's nine miles back down too. Um, and that, that took me a little bit to learn. Um, what I do is, uh, my legs are kind of like a timer for me. Um, and they will tell me when you're done and you can't make it back. Um, because I, I told you earlier, one of the most important parts about hiking to me is the lunch I have after it. So if I'm going to miss the lunch crowd, that's an important reason to turn around. Um, but for me, especially out in Colorado, a lot of it has to do with weather. Like I'll pull up to a trailhead and I'll start walking and I'll look up and I'll be like, well, we got about two hours until that's going to hit us and, and turn around. I've, I used to work in, in television news, so I'm friends with some meteorologists. So I'll, I'll holler at them beforehand and say, Hey, you know, what's my window? When do I have to be out of there and off this mountain? And, and they'll tell me and say, Hey, you know, get down by noon. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of, that's the only time I really do time is when it's weather-based. Otherwise I just let my legs tell me. I have kind of a two-part question. The first part, simple. How big was your REI dividend after that first year of, you know, of, uh, of starting second question, I are more of the point to, if you want to speak to this, it's kind of like, I'm also as a bigger guy, you know, um, tall and big. It's like, I found that a lot of these brands just don't make anything close to a size that fits me, you know? Um, and you know, it's kind of, do you think, um, 
are you finding that better? Or are you finding it easier to find gear that fits you and, and you know, um, that, you know, that is comfortable and is made that you feel is purpose made for you? Or you, do you still have a, like struggles with that? I have a bit of a tease for that. First of all, the REI question. I uh, did enough where I could get one of those fancy uh, satellite you know, oh, Garmin, Garmin, Garmin yeah, yeah, the InReach Mini. Nice. I got one yeah, of those with go. my dividend. There you go. <laughs> that's like a three grand. I'm going to go on the limit and yeah. say you spent about three grand at REI then to, to buy one I'm, of those. Uh, I'm never, I, you know, I'm not going to, yeah. I don't talk money. No, no, no. But... All we, all we, yeah, he just got a free InReach. That's all we need to talk about. Okay. Right? All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, well, I figure too, if anybody's going to have a heart attack on a trail, it's probably me. Let's mm -hmm. be honest. You know, you got to, you got to know your, again, know your limitations. Um, as far as finding gear and stuff, I have a bit of a tease for you. I was lucky enough. I told you a couple brands have had, I've worked with a couple brands that have sent me stuff. Um, and a couple brands have actually sent me, uh, some XL stuff that's coming out next year to help do product testing. Um, and I can't really talk about it yet because it's not released yet um but there's some backpacks there's some different clothing that are, are coming out in the next year but it was a struggle to find things that would um you know that would actually fit comfortably luckily i'm short and fat so um i can usually just kind of get like a, a little bit longer and like i'll just make the waist work and you know i'll throw on a, a little uh safety pin here and there um or a rope uh but yeah i mean it really was a struggle um to find you know clothes and it's not even that they like fit right it's just like they don't fit at all and then mm -hmm. and then you get into a it's not even a comfort level it's a safety level um and i think that that probably does discourage people a lot um one company i'm not testing for but i can tell you um for women smart wool is coming out with a um uh, base layers for plus sized women so like there's a lot of brands that are coming out right now with new and improved gear that is um you know just just for so many new people have come out and not everybody's the same size anymore and i think the companies are realizing that especially like the post covid when people started hitting the trails in record numbers they started to realize like hey there's a whole nother group of people that are more casual about it and, and a little bit you know they're not the i'm going to run up to the top of 14 or in 10 minutes uh group so um, I think it's going to get better. I think it's starting to get better. And I think that is going to get a lot better for people because it's embarrassing when you go out and you're like, you have something that doesn't fit, but you, you know, it's all you could do. And it's hard enough for somebody who's a, a hefty hiker like us, Jason. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard enough to go out there and not feel a little bit embarrassed. I think, especially when you start, I, I talk on my website, like I think it's in my about page of, I used to stop all the time and take pictures because I didn't care what I was taking a picture of. I was dying. I was, <gasps> you know, so out of breath. And I was so, but I was so embarrassed because so many people are in great shape and they're on the trails. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to embarrass myself. Oh, look at, look at that rock. That, oh, that is a tree. Have you ever seen a tree branch like that one? Well, yeah, there's millions of them out here. Um, but I was just so embarrassed and I didn't want people to know that I was stopping because I was tired. Um, and it's the same thing if you have clothes that don't fit, you know, one, you just, I mean, it just, you don't feel confident out there. Um, now I'm to the point where I'll just, I'll, you know, basically lay down on a trail and be like, I can't breathe, but I'm going to get back up and do it. I'll finish this hike, you know? Um, but I've just lost that, that embarrassment. Now I'm just happy to be out there and people are really, you know, typically they're really encouraging on a trail. Sometimes you get people that are like, yeah. move over slow, slow poke or whatever. Um, but I think the more comfortable you are, if, if clothes fit and they look right and you're, you're just, you're confident and I think it's going to help a lot of people. Um, and I think that's a really important point. Yeah. 
I was always lucky in that I was actually pretty good with endurance stuff, even though I don't look like I should be. So I'm usually passing people, so they don't really, they haven't had no one's ever told me to call me slowpoke. So that's kind of nice. But yeah, no, and I think no one, you know, the funniest thing is, is you know, I've some of the people we know, some of my friends are some of the fastest people out there. They're happy you're out. They don't they don't care that mm. you're going half their speed or a third their speed or whatever it is. They're just happy you're out and having fun, you know. So yeah. it's, you know, just get hike out there. Own, yeah. Hike your own hike. Hike right? your own hike. Yeah. But I, I do think that, and that was one thing that held me back. And I think it, it holds a lot of people back is they feel like they have to set a record every time they go out, or they feel like they're, they're going to be judged because they're overweight yeah. or, um, and, and I think that was some, I mean, that was part of the reason I never went out hiking. Other, the other part was, you know, it wasn't kind of my thing. Um, and when I started, it was definitely a factor in, in my, in, in how much I was enjoying my hikes because I was worried that I was going to look foolish and now I don't care. I know I look foolish, but I just don't care. And I enjoy myself and I hike my own hike, like you said. And I think part of, again, part of the reason I do the website is to try to encourage people to say, Hey, you can do this too. You know, don't, don't be embarrassed. Don't, don't feel like you can't, you can definitely get out here and do this. You don't look foolish at all, man. You look awesome. Don't even, yeah, don't even, <laughs> don't even whatever. My thing is you're going to get judged in this society. You're going to get judged for right. everywhere, right? You can judge yep. in the supermarket. You're judging your car. You're judged everywhere. So, so might as well be judged on a trail. At least it's pretty and you're, you know, out in nature and having fun. So exactly. you should, you should what- never let that be a barrier, you know, being judged, and who cares what other people right. think, you know, enjoy yourself, get out there and, you know, especially if you love it, you know. And, and like I said, I was surprised at the mental health benefits of it. I mm-hmm. think that was part of it. Honestly, yeah. I think that I felt comfortable with myself. I wrote in another blog um, somewhere that once you feel comfortable with yourself, because you have to spend a lot of time with yourself. And once you feel comfortable with yourself, you'll enjoy hiking alone. Um, because I think a lot of people get out there and their mind starts racing and they try to fix every problem in the world and you can't do it. Um, but eventually you will after about the, for me, it was about the 10th hike of hiking alone. I was like, you know what? I've answered all the questions in my head and I can be calm now. And I can, I can be at peace when I come out here and hike alone. And I started to really enjoy it at that point. That's such an interesting way to think about it, right? There's like, you're, you're just so in your head when you're doing something new. You're like, what's all these things? And then at some yeah. point you rub, you're able to just sort of relax. I love that. Um, tell me, or tell us, I should say, a little bit more about the volunteer work that you do. Because there's a local volunteer group that you uh, support, right? Yeah, I volunteer. Um, it's called the Indian Peaks Wilderness Alliance currently. Um, we uh, patrol the Indian Peaks and James Peak Wilderness out in Colorado. So two of the most popular um, wildernesses, they kind of, uh, the James Peak is kind of between like Boulder and Golden, if you know the area. And then the Indian Peaks is between like Rocky Mountain National Park and Boulder and Nederland and that whole area. So really populated areas, really popular um, uh wildernesses that that people go out to especially now and so we um we're in association with the the forest service and we go out uh in uniform and we do do patrols and we talk to people um it's it's like 100 educational base which is what i love about it um we get to go out and say hey you know this is the reason why you can't camp here. This is the reason why your dog needs to be on a leash, um, you know, and educating people. Cause a lot, again, a lot of new people have gone out into the outdoors and they're like, how many people don't realize that uh, we have moose out here. And, and as soon as a moose sees a dog, they think it's a wolf and they try to attack it. And, and like, when you explain it to them that way, people realize, Oh, I should have my dog on a leash when I'm in this area because there's moose all over and they're going to, you know, there's a chance that they attack my dog or the dog runs back to me and, the, and it brings a moose closer to me. Um, you know, so 
we just kind of go out and we help people as best we can just to make sure that they're enjoying themselves and that that everyone can enjoy themselves. Um, a lot of it is talking about fire safety. Um, there's a lot of fire bans out here. I know, I think you guys are mostly in, in California who have a lot of fire bans as well. So there's a lot of different fire rules and yeah, so it's just, it's really education. I love, I've gotten so much from hiking. I just absolutely love to give back a little bit. How did you get into that and how, how much time do you devote to that? Um, so I ran into two of the patrollers. Uh, I was hiking up in uh, an area called Brainerd Lakes, which is part of the Indian Peaks Wilderness. And I ran into two patrollers and I was like, oh, what do you, you know, and what are you guys doing here? And they explained it to me and um, handed me a card and said, you should try out next spring. And I was like, absolutely. And I signed up for it as soon as I came home. Winter happened, didn't even think about it. And then I got the email that said, hey, you know, it's open for spring res registration. Signed up and was like, this is amazing. I went and did training and they, we pair everybody with a mentor when they start. Um, so you're not out patrolling by yourself at the beginning. And I ended up uh, getting a, a great person as a, as a mentor and then did some group hikes and, and just absolutely had the time of my life. I ended up doing, I think I ended up doing 10 or probably like 10 to 12 uh, patrol hikes over the, the summer season. And we are actually training this week to do the winter patrols as well. So winter patrols were a little bit more serious. We're kind of more on the first responder um, lines where we have radios where we can call in help. And um, we're, we're the only ones out there though, really uh, in the winter. So a lot of guy, a lot of people um, cross country ski in the areas to, to get a little bit faster. A lot of them snowshoe. Uh, I told them I will walk down the, the road to the lake, which is only about two miles. And I will turn around and head back because it's really cold. Um, and I'm not as into it as, as some of these people are. I love winter hiking, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit much when you've got all that responsibility. So for the first season of winter, I'm going to, uh, use it as a learning season. All right, as the other the other big guy in this conversation, I feel like let's let's go let's go, man. Lunch, let's talk burger. What's God, the best one it. you've had? What, what's <laughs> the uh, what's your favorite post hike meal you've had? Like, what do you look for in a post? You know, yeah. What's, hike what's meal? your go to? Yeah. yeah. What's your go to? You know, post hike meal, and the, are there any that stand out? You know. So, so the important part to remember is, so I started this during the pandemic and I started with trying to find locally owned restaurants that were in each uh, area by each trailhead so that people would know that they were still open. And the more I did that, the more I realized that the, these small um, locally owned places, if we're going to go recreate in a, a county, we should probably spend some time in the town and support the town financially as well. Um, and that's kind of the, the mission be, behind why I do that. Um, now, my general rules are, if it says grandma's, cafe, or diner, I will go. So if I'm driving to a trailhead and I see anything that has those three signs, I will definitely go. Um, and then when I get in there, I always ask them what their specialty dish is. So no matter what it is, uh, that's what I'm going to eat that day, uh, typically. Sometimes it, I can't do that. But most of the time, it's, it's you know, something really good. It's a lot of burgers, a lot of... Um, a lot of burgers. Holy cow. So many hamburgers. Um, some good, uh, I've had some really good Mexican food as well. Um, a lot of, a lot of places around. Um, what is my favorite? Uh, I will say my favorite uh, name that I went to is I was just down in, um, White Sands National Park and there was a, a drive-in called the Heidi Ho. 
and it had some of the best burgers that I've ever had. And after sweating in White Sands National Park, you know, for a, a day, uh, stopping in the Heidi Ho drive-in was definitely, that was worth it. There was a food truck in Bailey, Colorado. Um, oh, I'm, I'm dropping, I can't remember their name. Uh, it was this, it was this uh, young lady and she owned the food truck, served the best beans I've ever tasted in my entire life. It was like beans with pork. It was kind of like a, a, a pulled pork slash bean. Com- it was just like, I've had dreams about those beans and I, I'm not really like that. Um, but I think more of it, like, I don't remember as many restaurants as I remember the people that I've talked to in the restaurants, whether it's the owners or the other people. Um, there's some I've walked into where I honestly thought I was going to get shot because I was a newcomer in, in this really small town and they did not like the fact that, that I was in there. I went to this place called grandma's once and every single person stared at me from the time I walked through the door to the time I left. And it was very, it was one of the most uncomfortable things in the entire world. Um, and then I went to this random place outside of Bryce Canyon and there was a guy and he was from Prague and there was a big sign out front that said hamburgers. And you walked in and he goes, no, 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 no hamburgers today. It's too windy. The grill fell over. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, have the kielbasa. okay so he brought that out and then the next person came in asked for a hamburger and he said the exact same spiel to every single person every single one of us just sat there and ate this uh sausage and and but it was wonderful it's just one of those experiences where this guy you know came all the way from prague he bought like a a little roadside motel that had a diner in it and but his his uh, charcoal grill blew over in the wind so now you're eating kielbasa you know and and i think that's just part of the joy of kind of these locally owned that's just how they live their lives is you never know what's going to happen from day to day but i've had some great experiences i've had some some food that's not uh, the best food ever i've had some of the greatest food i've ever had so it really just depends (laughs) it's always fun though yeah so so you again you alluded to well right now i'm the only one in california left in california the other two have abandoned me for another state north of here which i will not name um, but I notice in your blog a glaring like hole and like there's not one California hike in your entire blog. How can you explain that and why 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 have you not uh, made your way out here to uh, you know to the Golden State? Is it is it snobbery? Are you being like a Rocky snob or is is it? Uh, it is gas it is gas <laughs> okay it gas is prices. so if you if you yeah. look if you if you base yourself in denver yeah and, and i'll tell you this if you look at my map and you say denver and then you know that i'll tell you that my family lives in, in nashville tennessee mm-hmm. now the map makes a lot more sense because i've i've hiked in wyoming and nebraska and utah and new mexico and arizona and it's just a giant circle of where i've been driving and and where i am and then i've flown to you know back to see my family and done some hikes in nashville tennessee um California is definitely on the bucket list. Uh, I definitely want to get out there and do a little bit of hiking, but um, you guys need to move a little bit closer. I think that would help help us out a little bit. You realize how weird it is that you've hiked in Nebraska, but not in California? Like, you know. That's that's unique. Yeah. That sets you apart. I didn't even even know you could hike in Nebraska. I've been there, and I didn't. it did not seem like there was hiking, you know. So I think. 
think it was called Shadron State Park. And mm. I was up in South Dakota visiting a buddy, drove down to the very, it's a very northwest corner of, of Nebraska and walked in this park and it was a beautiful park. And I took a couple of pictures and this was back when I first started and I wasn't really good at any of this. I took a couple of pictures and posted on Instagram. And all of a sudden I get hit up from the Nebraska uh, tourism board and they were like, we want to use your picture so bad. And I'm like, I bet you do because it's like nobody's ever taken a picture in Nebraska. But uh, I want to hike more in Nebraska. But like this park, it like it blew me away at at how nice the state park was. I do want to tell you that Nebraska, uh, at least the northwest corner where I visited, is a very lovely place. And I really enjoyed my time there. And I would love to visit Nebraska a little bit more. That's I like it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I like Nebraska. You know, my one of my best friends lives in, in Omaha. And, you know, that's where I've been. And, you know, it's great. But, but again, it just did not, yeah. you know, does not strike you. You don't seem like giant. It's not like Denver where you look in the horizon and you see these giant snow-capped peaks, you know, towering above, you know. Absolutely. So. <laughs> well, and, and one of my goals right now is to hike in all of the counties of Colorado. I don't know why it's a goal. It just became a goal. And I've, I think I'm at 35 of 63. And like all the ones that I haven't hiked are the Eastern Plains hikes yeah. or uh, counties because it's basically Nebraska. It's a lot of farmland and it's really flat. And it's like you wouldn't, if you didn't know it was Colorado, you wouldn't know that you were in Colorado. Um, and there's just no trails out there. So it's really hard to find places to hike out on the Eastern Plains. So anybody listening who's on the Eastern Plains of Colorado who knows somewhere for me to hike, uh, hit me up. <laughs> that, that's a great goal to, you know, go out and hit. All the, you know, hike in each county in the state of Colorado. Those kind of goals are awesome. I love those kind of sort of just, you know, lists of uh, objectives to go out and do. And uh, we had a uh, Scott Jones, who was a previous guest, talked about quests. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of like a quest. You know, I'm going to go to, you know, visit all of the, uh, you know, do a hike in each county. He was looking at, um, you know, weird things like all the windowless Chinese restaurants in downtown Phoenix. Yeah, yeah weird. You know, yeah. weird, you know, like obscure stuff. But, you know, a quest can be anything, right? Yeah. Um, talking about the Eastern Plains, I, when I was in traveling through Kansas uh, two years ago, my wife and I, you know, were like driving across the country and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be what, what's a cool thing to do, you know, as you're doing this? And I thought, well, let's go to the high point, the state high point, not of Colorado, but of Kansas, right. you know, <laughs> nice. and uh, it's kind of on that board. It's not very far from the Colorado border. It's a, mm-hmm. a, a place called Mount Sunflower. And she was kind of giving me grief about it. You know, like, oh, you know, it's going to add an hour of driving and, you know, we're already driving across the country. And, and in the end, she's like, oh, that was the, one of the highlights of the drive. It was so much fun. And I love the road trips where you can just stop at a random place and it breaks it up. And when I, when I, you know, I, we talked about that map and how it circles around. I, I, I've done a couple of road trips and, and I'll end up doing like writing 42 blogs from a four day road trip because mm-hmm. I'll stop in every town and do a hike and find a restaurant and, and, and just really enjoy uh, a little bit of Americana, I guess. Whereas before I was always in such a hurry and I'd fly to one place, rent a car, drive, you know, beeline to the next location. And now it's kind of like, Oh no, I'm just going to stop here. Cause why not? You know, like, I don't know. Their sign had a squirrel on it. So I decided to stop, you know? 
That's what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's serendipity. Literally the journey, not the destination. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> yeah. um, so on your map, I know everything is subjective. Well, we've talked about this a little bit, but you have easier, harder, and moderate hikes. In general, what would you call it? Like, do you, how do you sort of, how do you personally put those into those categories? Um, for me, uh, I don't know. It's kind of a feel afterwards how tired I was. I wanted to, I, I'm not a computer programmer, but I was going to put number of hamburgers I needed to eat after each one of those hikes <laughs> to kind of go with a fat man motif. But, um, I kind of stick to a little bit of what the all trails is. Um, I vary on a couple of them, uh, you know, for an easy hike, it's going to be something that's paved or it's going to be something that, um, you know, has a really flat terrain and, and you're not going with a lot of elevation gain. Um, moderate hikes can be, you know, two to 10 miles with, you know, up to 2000 feet of elevation gain, just depending on, on what the, what the, um, trail was actually like and how tiring it actually was. Um, and then, like hard hikes are, it's you know, if there's something that has a 30% grade, then it's going to be a hard hike because I hate steep and um, steep is always the hardest for me. So um, that's kind of how I break it down. Now, the one thing is I also, like I said earlier, I think I don't scramble. I don't, uh, I don't climb. I shoulder injuries and all this stuff. So um, it's all just walking. So I never get to that point where I'm scrambling or climbing um, and hopefully the people who are who are following along for a while understand that and they know that they're not going to have to do that if they get out onto a onto a trail as well mm-hmm. well we've talked about your favorite restaurants and all this. we yeah. haven't even asked you what your favorite hike is like or can you you don't have to necessarily pick one it's so hard but can yeah. you get can you pick one or can you give us like a top three or four or five of your favorites you've done I'll give you I'll give you some favorite moments. Um, okay. One of my favorite moments was going down to the Ua Point in Grand Canyon um, last spring. I, I took a trip out. Uh, bucket list was to see the Cubs in spring training. I'm, I'm a Chicago guy, so I mm-hmm. uh, decided to hit up the Grand Canyon. And I saw it. At, by the way, I saw it at sunrise, and it's the most amazing thing ever. I first time I saw it, it's pitch black out. Had no idea there was a giant hole right next to me. And then the sun started to come up, and and like the sun rays were just kind of spreading out and just slowly revealing. The canyon to me and it was one of the most amazing uh experiences of my life um and then i kind of walked by like because that was still like a little bit of covid time so uh you needed permits to do everything well i kind of walked over to a trailhead and like right as a bus showed up and then like the entire tour group went down into the canyon i was like well i'm going and i just followed him down and went down to Ua point and for me that was like one year almost to the day of when I started the website and started the hiking journey. So to go from literally my couch to I'm now walking down into the Grand Canyon, uh, that was a really special moment for me. Um, I think that I told you Staunton State Park, I fell in love with that. And I told the story earlier about hiking to the top of, of Lion's Head. And that was just like one of those moments for me that just, um, you know, kind of made me realize I was there. Uh, I love Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, it's only about an hour and a half, two hours from me. And I get up there as much as I can. Um, it's gotten so busy in the summer. It's really hard to go. But I love to go in the winter, too, when it's it's like two different parks. That's the best part about Rocky Mountain is, like, in the summer, you've got, you know, so many people. But then the trails are, you know, beautiful. But in the winter, they're completely covered in snow. And you're snowshoeing and you're, you're in spikes and... Um, there's not quite as many people and you can get a little bit of solitude, but it's negative 40 and the wind's blowing, you know? So it's like, there's pros and cons to both sides of it. Um, 
and I, I just love it up in Rocky Mountain. And then um, I just I literally just got back uh, a few months ago from White Sands National Park, which I didn't think that I was going to really love. Um, I pulled in after driving all day and I got there just in time for sunset and I pull up and all, all there's all these shoes on the side of the dunes and I'm like, what is going on? So I kick my shoes off and realize that everybody walked out there barefoot and you just, I plop myself down in front of, I forgot, I think it's the... There's a mountain range right there. So you sit on the sand or you stand on the sand and the sun sets over the mountains and the sand turns pink and the sky was cloudy. So in front of me, there were like scattered clouds and they all turned pink with the sunset. Directly above me was a rainbow going just from side to side in the sky. And then behind me over another mountain range, there was a storm with lightning and all this stuff going on. So like I saw every every moment in nature in that one second that I was just sitting there on pink sand with a sunset in front of me, a, a lightning storm in the mountains behind me and a rainbow above my head. And that was another one of those moments. It was just like, is this my life? Really? Um, and then the next day I went out and, and hiked, uh, I think it's called the Achille flats. And I hiked that. And at one point you're just completely surrounded by white sand. You can't see anything. There was nobody else there. Like I, that and you're just there and I've never felt so big and so small at the exact same time and it was a really that was a really interesting moment for me but there's been millions of moments so those are I'd say my top five have you have you done I just went for I was in Denver two weeks ago and for the first time I went to Great Sand Dunes National Park have you been there yet and climb up the have you climbed up the dunes uh, played around there yet I've been there. I missed the dune. Uh, so I went there and in the spring, it's really windy mm. and I made it up and made it about three quarters up the dune and was just getting blasted by sand. And I was like, I'm done. Like it was the last day of my road trip. And I was like, I am done. <laughs> um, and then I went back another time and, uh, the water was actually running. I don't know if you've ever been there when the mm. river is running. No. So right in front of the sand dunes like when you went there um you get out and there's probably i'd say like three four hundred yards of just flat sand that you walk yeah. across before you hit the dunes well certain times a year when the snow melt comes down that flat sand area is a is a very um shallow like creek that runs through it sure. and cold it, and i imagine <laughs> it's it cold but yeah. it's beautiful and it, yeah. it like kind of changes the whole mindset so i just went out there and i sat in the sand and watched the river run next to me for a minute again it was the last day of my road trip every time i'm i'm coming back i always stop at great sand dunes and go i'm way too tired for this and then get in my car about an hour later and drive home i read that you have done the uh the 52 hike challenge a couple of times Talk to us a little bit about that experience and, and what you loved about it. Sure. Yeah. I've, um, the 52 hike challenge was a good way to keep me motivated and not in the way that, that people think. Um, the 52 hike challenge does this thing where when you sign up for it, they send you, um, I forget, it might've been a t-shirt or something, but they send you this packet and, and it's a little manila envelope and you know, it's the metal inside because if you finish the 52 hike challenge, you get a medal that has you know, 50, you know, I completed 52 hikes or whatever it is, but they send it to you in a sealed envelope and say, don't, don't open it until your 52nd hike. And that, like that motivated me. I don't know how, but I'm like, I'm opening that, that freaking envelope because I knew it was in there. And, you know, I had done, I think I started the 52 hike challenge after I'd already done 30 hikes. So I was already into it, but I just wanted something to help keep me motivated. And I signed up in about the 40th hike. I was, 
I was kind of done. I was tired. It had been a long summer, and I just started hiking. I've already done 40 hikes. And then that envelope showed up, and I was like, oh, now I've got to finish this thing. <laughs> and I did. Um, I got my buddy Scott, the, the hiking mentor I told you about, and we went up to Twin Sisters Mountains in Rocky Mountain National Park. It was my first time up there. And uh, we climbed up to the top and opened the envelope on top of uh, Twin Sisters at about 12,000 feet. And, um, you know, that was just, that was a special moment right there again. And then I liked it so much. I decided to do it again the second year. Um, and the second year it was, it was much more business-like. I think, um, I, I was going to just, I, I knew I was going to finish it. It was, uh, like the first year it was all new and stuff like that. The second year I kind of had to like, not force myself to go out there, but like the second challenge has different things like do a waterfall hike, do a, um, uh, national forest hike, do a hike, you know, find a mountain lake or something like that. So they give you goals. So it's almost like, you know, you've got your assignment for the day. Okay. I've got to go find a waterfall so that I can check this off and, and finish my 52 hike challenge. Um, but it was, yeah, it was definitely a motivating experience. And like I said, the second one, I'd already done so many hikes around where I live that since they gave me the different rules of, you know, get in the national forest and hike, I, th- I can't remember what they all are, all are off the top of my head, but they were, it was like a scavenger hunt almost. So mm-hmm. it helped me find different hikes that I wasn't expecting to do or I never would have ser- like looked for until I knew that it was on my list of something I had to do. So um, it's a great way to stay motivated. It's a great way to um, keep yourself out there. Um, it, you know, it's tricky. You've got to do, if you're working, you've gone 52 weekends. So you've got to do a hike every week, um, to get it done. Since I wasn't working at the time and I was kind of just hiking full time, it, it made it a lot easier for me, um, to find the time to get out there. Um, but yeah, it's an experience. And then I tried to do, um, I tried to start my own challenge this last year, the 13 hike challenge. Cause I thought 52 was a little bit much for people who were going from the couch to the trail. Um, and then I realized that 13 is just a really bad luck number to start a challenge with. And, and it did not have a lot of following. Um, but for me, you know, 13 was, 13 was a, was an unlucky number, but it was, it was an attempt to get more people out there. So, um, if you had one piece of advice that you'd give to somebody who's thinking about getting off that couch and hitting the trail, what would it be? Do it do it go out there um start small start slow get out there and just do um a hike here and there uh there's another thing i've talked about which is called little victories which is something that i i found really helped me out like when you're a kid you're playing baseball every weekend or soccer or you're you're in the plays and there's a play every week and every week there's like a little positive affirmation or or just just a little victory that you can get and then you get into your adult life and you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And maybe once a year you get a review by your boss, but you don't listen to him because all you want to know is if you got a raise. So it, it forces you to go back to the couch because you're never really winning. You're, you're not winning anymore. And hiking for me was a bunch of little victories. Like I, each week, each day I could go out and do five miles and know that I did that start to finish. And it was a victory and I felt good about myself again. And then the next week I did another one. It's another little victory and they just kept building up and building up. So you're not going to be able to do a 14 er from your couch, but you stack some of these little victories on top of each other. And you're going to be able to go from a one mile hike to a two mile hike, to a six mile hike, to an eight mile hike, to a 12 mile hike. And eventually you're going to be able to get to the hike that you want to do. Um, and I think just building your confidence and, and your, your skills up with those little victories, but with, with smaller hikes is going to, going to get you from the couch to anywhere you want to be. 
great advice. Yeah. Sure. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It was a pleasure talking to you and super inspiring to hear your story. How would people find you or learn more about you? Or if they, yeah, they want to follow Fat Man on Little Trail, how do they do that? Well, first, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, to follow me, I am Fat Man Little www.fatmanlittletrail.com. Uh, and then I'm also on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all under Fat Man Little Trail if you search it. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. Um, which you'd have to search Fat Man Little Trail for. Um, I have a podcast somewhere that I haven't done in a little bit called Fat Man Little Trail. And then I also have a breakfast cereal called Fat Man. No, I'm just kidding about that. (laughs) (laughs) You had me. You had me there. (laughs) My own brand of Gorp coming soon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and hey, if you ever make it out to California and you want to hike some real mountains like the Sierra, let me know. Oh, and, you know, oh, oh, yeah. oh. Or if you oh, want to come to the Promised Land, you can come to the Jeff and I and Ben. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just let me know. It's been awesome talking like... to you, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all so much yeah. for having me. Well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. On Instagram at almostthere underscore AP or the Almost There Adventure podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support us financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ATAP. You can find Severia at Adventure Us Women, that's Adventure US Women, Jeff at The SoCal Hiker, or me at The Muir Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more information about this episode and all of our others, you can check out our show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. On our next episode, we have Through My Lenses, Josh McNair. As always, thanks for listening.